If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, hold your hand up real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's go to two openings, Galatians 5 and Romans 12. Galatians 5, did you find it? And 13. 5 and 13, it says, Brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Aren't you glad you weren't called to bondage? We've been called to be free. Unto liberty only. Use not, don't use your liberty, your freedom to flesh out for an occasion of the flesh. But use your liberty to do what? To serve one another in love. The title of the series is Saved to Serve. We've been saved not just to sit, not just to shout, not just to soak. We've been saved to what? To serve. And not just serve in drudgery, but serve in love. And that means gladness. Romans 12, look at that please. He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of God's great mercies on us, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, in view of God's great mercies on us. It's just reasonable that we serve him. You know, one of the reasons I I love him so is because he owns me multiple times over. And yet, he leaves it to me if I will serve him or no. I mean, he owns us by right of creation. There would be no earth, there would be no planets, there'd be no sun, there'd be no universe, there'd be no you if he hadn't made us. And not only did he make us, he sustains us. Every millisecond. You know the Bible said all things are upheld by the word of his power. If you study some of those words, it means his word is the power of cohesiveness. Why do the planets just not blow off into the four directions? Uh, Even the smallest particles, you know, that are cycling and rotating around each other. Why do they stay together? Why do your molecules stay together? The Word of God is holding you together. Keeping you from just... Keep it together. He's the one keeping it together. And not only that, man sold himself through sin. And God purchased his own creation back through the precious blood of the Lamb. He owns us by right of creation by right of continually sustaining us, by right of redemption, and I'm sure I'm missing some others. And yet he says, I bought you, I own you, here's the keys. Serve me if you want to. Somebody say glory to God. And the Bible said, in light of such mercies, it's just reasonable that you say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. Here, Here I am, use me. Right? Other translations say, It is your spiritual worship. Worship is more than just holding up your hands and saying, I worship you. Worship is what we do in faith and love unto God and each other. You saw the hospitality team in the video. 
if they're doing what they do because they love God and because they love you and the people that they're ministering to, then God calls washing those dishes spiritual and worship. Is that right? You don't have to be praying or quoting verses to be doing something spiritual or to be, to be worshiping. So every, every part of these things take on a spiritual and an eternal value and significance because they're done from the heart, in faith, in love. Can you say amen? amen. Go with me, if you would, to the book of uh, Exodus this morning. Exodus. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I like what I do. <laughs> I like I've had some other jobs. <laughs> some of them were not so enjoyable. And not to say that this one hadn't had its challenges. And uh, that there's not some work involved. But you know when you're graced to do something, even when you're tired from it, it's a good tired. Amen. Right? Amen. And you're so delighted. And every one of us have a place. Have gifts and callings and abilities that enable us to be a genuine help to somebody. A genuine service. You know, we're talking about save to serve. Service. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm in endeavoring to serve you. Like a waiter at table. I got a big pot right here. I got a big spoon. Right? And I'm endeavoring to, to serve. Right? Will you have some more? Will you have some more? <laughs> Two scoops, right? Well, you have things in you that make you of genuine service and help to the body. If you haven't found them, if you haven't developed uh, in them, doesn't mean they're not there. It just means you haven't taken advantage of some opportunities. We're going to be talking about that a little more. But you'll see something significant here in the book of Exodus that God uh, was delivering his people from Egyptian bondage. And I want you to notice why and for what. God called Moses from the backside of the desert. And he sent him with a directive. He sent him to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was ruler, not president, not prime minister. <laughs> Had the power of life and death over much of the known population in that area of the world, the most powerful nation on earth. So the pharaohs, they considered themselves gods, gods. And the people were taught that they are gods, and they ruled like gods. But the one true God sent his man to the fellow who was confused and thought he was God. And he told him. <laughs> Exodus 4.23, he said, let my son go, that he may serve me. The seventh chapter in the 16th verse, you'd have to turn to all these. You can just listen to them. I'm going to give you a few. He didn't, Pharaoh didn't listen. So some stuff happened. And so then he came back again. He said, you will say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you saying, what did he say? Let my people go. Why? That they, that they may serve me. Well, he still wouldn't listen. So some stuff happened. Eighth chapter in the first verse. You'll find out that the Lord does not change. 
When he says something, he has already considered all possible contingencies, any possible effect. He's never going to say something, and then later on, even after a thousand years, go, wow, maybe I should change that a little bit. No. He is the Lord God. He changes not. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because perfection does not need to change. So what did he say? Same thing. Thus says the Lord, let my people go. Why? That they may serve me. Why? Let them go. Not just so they can be free only. But so they can what? So they can serve me. Well, he didn't listen. So they got some frogs. And they got some lice. And in the 20th verse, the Lord asked him again. Now, how do you feel about it? (laughs) He met him at the river. (laughs) And he said, thus says the Lord, 820, let my people go that they may serve me. And uh, he decided not to let them go again. So they got some flies and they got some boils and they got some hailstones. And then he had a question for him in 9-1. Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go, that they may serve me. He said, no, I'm not going to let you go. So after some more plagues, verse 13, he said, what do you think? Let my people go, that they may serve me. So then they got some locusts, they got some darkness. Then the Lord had a question for him, a directive, I shouldn't say a question. A command. 10.3. Moses and Aaron came before Pharaoh. What do you think they said? He added something this time. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. That sounds just like our New Testament verse in Galatians 5. We have been saved. What? To serve. Save to serve. Now, now notice the whole phrase. Let my people go in order that what would happen? That they may serve. What's the last word? Me. Me. They were already serving someone. The one who didn't want to let them go. And he, you know, he's been taught from a child that he's a living God. And that they, the Israelites, are a huge part, uh, you know, millions of them now, a huge part of the infrastructure. The Egyptians could kick back and not do a lot of stuff because you got Israelites to, to do all the grunt work and to do all the this and all the work the fields and build the roads and do this and do that. And so, no, he said, they serve me. And God said, they're my people. You let them go so that they can serve me. Did you know you're going to serve somebody? Did you know that? Did you know you're already serving somebody? And I'm going to know there is nobody that's better to serve than the Lord. As soon as he got them out of there, and he did. How many know when the Lord uh, wants to set you free and you want to be set free? 
There's nobody can stop you. Nobody. I don't care who they think they are. I don't care how long they've been in power. I don't care how many laws are written this and that. You're dealing with the Almighty who created the heavens and the earth. He's not going to change what he said. And he is well able to get you free from anything that has you in bondage in order that what could happen? So that you can serve him. Now as soon as he got them out, he gave them the Ten Commandments. Remember that? Do you remember the first one? The first commandment? I heard a couple of people say so. A lot of people looking at me with a blank look. You know, the top ten are important. You, they ought to know them. Right? Let's read it. Go to, uh, you there in Exodus, go to the 20th chapter. Just a few chapters later, he's given them the Ten Commandments. What's the first one? The very? You believe there's any significance that this is the first one? Certainly it is. The Lord could have led with any of them. The first one is this. Verse 1. Exodus 20, verse 1. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt. You understand, no nation thought this would ever happen. Nobody thought that these Israelites would ever be free from Egyptian bondage. The Egyptians were too strong. The Israelites were too weak. There is no way, no how, a slave nation is going to rise up and walk free out of the strongest power on earth. And it happened. It happened. And the Lord said, I'm the one that brought you out. I did it. Verse 3, what does it say? What does it say? You shall have no other gods before me. How many? None. None. Is this still truth today? Oh, certainly it is. Who do we worship? Who is our God? Who else? Nobody. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We worship Him. Verse 4. You shall not make any graven image, no likeness of anything that's in heaven above or in earth beneath or in the water under the sea. You don't bow yourself to them. Nor what? You don't serve them. Say it out loud. You don't serve them. You don't serve them. Why don't you serve them? You got one God. You serve him. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, but showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. He refers to himself as the jealous God in connection with no other gods but me. Now you know, if you love somebody, you're not okay with them being intimate with another. And worship is as intimate as it gets. It's compared to adultery. And our relationship with the Lord is compared to that of husband and wife. Isn't it? And so when you worship something else and you serve something else, it is spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery unfaithfulness, it provokes the Lord to jealousy. He said, he's saying, I won't have it. I'm your God. Period. Right? 
I'm your spiritual husband. You don't have two or three. Just me. You love me. You worship me. You serve me. And oh, when you're serving him, you're serving love. (laughs) And if you don't serve him, guess who you're going to serve? There's no such thing as being a free agent. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm independent. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You just think you are. Look in Deuteronomy. Look in Deuteronomy. 28th chapter. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47 or so. You know, he told them if they'd serve him, obey him, all these blessings... Well, come on you. You'll be blessed when you go out, blessed when you come in, blessed in your basket, blessed in your store. Your cows will be blessed. Your sheep will be blessed. Your camels will be blessed. Your goats will be blessed. Your dog and your cat and goldfish. Blessed. 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 But if you don't, if you decide you're going to be an independent sheep, you're going to do your own thing. You're going to ignore what he told you to do. Just as blessed as you were going to be, that's how cursed you're going to be. You're going to be cursed when you come in, cursed when you go out, cursed in your basket, cursed in your store. Everything you got's cursed, everything you do is cursed. And he describes all the bad things that would happen when you forsake him and don't obey him. And, and, and as it goes on, if you read this, I mean, it is absolutely horrible, the stuff that he's talking about happening. And in verse 47, he tells you why it would happen. Are you there? Why would it happen? Because you served not the Lord your God with what? Joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Why? Because you wouldn't serve me, he said. It's never God's will that people be destroyed. Never. People try to paint this picture of God being mean and and hard, and this and that. No. When people experience all these judgments and all these things, it's contrary to the will of God. It does not please Him. I know people have a problem with that, but there are many scriptures that talk about this. To say that it was God's will for these judgments and terrible things to happen is tantamount to saying it was His will for you not to serve Him. That can't be. He's telling them, no, all this happened because you wouldn't serve me gladly. You wouldn't serve me joyfully. And because you wouldn't serve me, next verse, because you wouldn't serve me, what's going to happen? You're going to serve your enemies, which the Lord will send against you, hunger, thirst, nakedness, want of all things, the yoke of iron on your neck till you're destroyed. Why? Because you wouldn't serve God. He said, I put it before you this day. Life, death, blessing, cursing, your enemies, me. How many of you got any smarts at all? (laughs) Huh? If you got the awareness of a flea, you'd go, good. God. Blessing, life. Huh? You know, Joshua told the people at one point, 
He said, you can't do this because they were they had worshiping all these idols. He, he said, you can't do this. God's a jealous God. You can't serve him and them. And, and that's when he stood up and said, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Amen. You can do what you want to. But we're going to serve him. How many? That's your heart. That's your heart. That's your mind. Say it out loud. As for me, as for me and my house, and my house we, will we will serve the Lord. Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you. And if you don't serve him, what will, what will happen? You will wind up serving your enemies. And your enemy does not love you. And he will steal from you and kill you and destroy you. Hard bondage. No, I choose to serve him. And serve him gladly, gladly. I'm glad to serve. Serving him is a joy. Serving him is a privilege. Isn't it? I just, my thanksgiving has bumped up a notch in recent times. I just, night and day, I'm going around and saying, oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, Oh, you're so good to me. Oh, you said, it seems like the more I say it, the more he is. So then I want to say it more, and he does it more, and... I guess very soon I'll just be saying it 24-7. And I think that's kind of what he told us in the Bible to do. Yes. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Have you ever heard that before? You ever heard that? How about every service you come to? Huh? Don't we sing this Is every Sunday morning? Serve the Lord with gladness. Say it out loud. Lord, I'm glad to serve you. I rejoice. I'm glad to serve you. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to the book of Romans, please. The book of Romans. If you don't serve the Lord, you're going to serve somebody. And the alternatives to God are all bad. Romans 16 and 17. He said, I beseech you, Brethren, to mark those that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine you've learned and avoid them. Verse 18. Because these folks, they that are such, serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. Here we see an alternative to serving God. Serving your belly. The great belly God. How many would think that your belly ain't much of a God to serve? (laughs) He's not only talking about your stomach, but it includes that. He's talking about your appetites. Your appetites. And there are a lot of folks that serve their appetites. They will sacrifice their financial well-being, the sacrifice relationships, they'll sacrifice to satisfy their appetites. And there are many who are serving alcohol. It calls and they move. Serving drugs, the drug calls for them and they will do anything to serve that drug. That serve sexual desire, that serve a desire for money that serve 
a desire for power and climbing the ladder. They're serving these gods instead of the one and only true God. And nothing can come out of it but misery and pain. It's subtle. And there's a lot of folk doing it. If God's not your God, if you're not serving Him, I assure you, you're serving one of these others. Aren't you? God said, if you won't serve me gladly, you're going to serve your enemies. You'll be in bondage to them. Once you say it out loud in faith, my belly, my belly is not my God. Not my God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't serve my belly. I don't serve my appetites. I serve my God. Go with me to, you're there in the 16th chapter, back up to the 6th chapter, chapter 6 of Romans. Jesus said in John 8, don't turn there, but he said, whoever commits sin, John 8, 34, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. Whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. The devil will try to convince you you're free to commit sin. But the truth is, you're in bondage to it. And a lot of people would like to say, well, I can quit anytime I want to. Prove it. Prove it. Oh, it's easy to talk big. But when you start to cut it off, you're going to find out what kind of pull it has on you. And the Lord did not save you so you could be in bondage to sin. Did he? We've all missed it. We've all made mistakes. But we have not been saved just to be old sinners struggling in the bondage of sin. We have been set free. We have been set free just like the Israelites were set free from the Egyptians. We have been set free so we can serve God, serve Him, not serve sin. Romans 6 and 14. It says, sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law, but under grace. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. If people say, well, it doesn't make any difference whether I sin or not because of grace. That's not true. Because if you're sinning, you're a servant to that sin. And if you're serving that sin, you're not serving God. Can you see this? Yes, sir. 16, know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. If the devil tempts you to do something that you know is wrong and you do it, what did you just do? Who are you serving? Who are you following? The one that tempted you, right? You're ser- and the devil from Adam and Eve including Jesus till now, that's what he is doing continuously. He has this God complex. The devil does. He wants you to serve him. But thank God we don't have to. Serving sin is serving him, the evil one. You do not have to be a slave to Satan nor sin. Do you? We were in bondage, just like the Israelites. We were, but we've been set free. God has delivered us with a mighty hand. 
Glory to God. Outstretched power. He has delivered us. And I'm free. 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 Set free so I can serve. 17. He said, but God be thanked. You were the servants of sin. But you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin. He keeps on saying it, doesn't he? Over and over. You are free from sin. You are free. You are free. This has not been taught from many churches and many denominations. It's been taught from the pulpit. We're just old sinners. Saved by grace. And the implication is we are sinners and we sin every day and we're going to sin and there's nothing we can do about it but just hope that by the mercy of Jesus we'll be saved when we die. That's not true. We were old sinners. We were in bondage and servitude to sin and couldn't break out and get free. But Jesus has saved us. Glory to God. And now we're not old sinners. We have been born again. We're new creations. And this new creation is free from sin. Doesn't mean that since you were saved, you can't yield to sin and mess up. It does mean if you choose to, you do not have to serve sin again the rest of your life. It does not have dominion over me. Boy, it'd do us good, wouldn't it, to go around confessing this. It does not have dominion over me. I don't care if it's sin that's dogged you for decades. I don't care if you yielded to it last week. That's last week. It can be in the past. You need to begin to say, it does not have dominion over me. It does not rule over me. I don't serve it. I don't serve it. I serve God. God is not sharing me to serve the devil sometimes and him sometimes. He's a jealous God. He ain't going for that. Right? No, 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 no. He didn't save me so I could serve sin. Serve the enemy. He wants me exclusively. And you, why? Because he loves you. He don't want you to be intimate with any other so-called God. We belong to him. Only. We serve him. Only. Whew. He said, verse 18, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. He goes on describing, he said, just like you used to yield to all that junk and all that sin that led to death. Now, he said, yield yourself to righteousness. Yield yourself to God. You used to go wholeheartedly in sin. Now go wholeheartedly serving God. You used to serve that sin with everything you had. Serve God now like that and beyond. Go to Matthew, please. Matthew, fourth chapter. We said the devil has a God complex. Well, what do you think was going on with Pharaoh? Why does he want to think, I'm a God? Who gave him that idea? That's the devil. The devil's influencing them, trying trying to control the world as much as as he can through people with these you know, the, this rebellion and that won't yield to God, won't bow the knee to God. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. You remember this for those 40 days and nights? You remember what the enemy hit him with in verse 9? What the devil tempted him with? Matthew 4, 9. He said, he showed him all the, the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Just what we're talking about. He has influence in these kingdoms. That's why so much terrible stuff is done. Because the devil is influencing 2 Corinthians 4.4, he's called the God of this world. God didn't make him the God of this world. 
Man has given him that place. But it's short-lived. Soon and very soon. It's going to all be over. He ain't going to be ruling anything. Nothing. (laughs) And I'm not going to shed one tear. Sorry, rascal. (laughs) He said, all these things I will give to you. The devil talking to Jesus. All these things I will give to you. If you will fall down and worship me. Does he have a God complex or what? He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be served like God. Idiot. He, he tries to imagine himself some kind of equal opposite to God. He forgets who made him long ago. And how he fell. He ain't even what he used to be. He's a has-been. And he's not just a loser. He's the loser. He's the most famous loser in all time. Read, read the book of Revelation. Ain't nobody ever lost like he loses. Oh, no, he don't want you to say that. He wants you to think, oh, be scared of me. Worship me. And if you laugh in his face, it's like the worst thing you could do to him. <laughs> Worship you? You've got to be joking. <laughs> not no, but not ever no. No way, no how. Never, ever. Never. 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 What did Jesus say? Let me think about it. <laughs> what did he say? What did he say? Jesus said, get out of here. Get thee hence, King James. <laughs> South Missouri, get out of here. Get out of here. Do you know there are times you need to say, get out of here, devil. Get out of here, Satan. Do you need to say that sometimes? You do. And you don't have to wait for somebody to show up in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork at your door and ring the bell. He's much more subtle. He comes in the form of thoughts and feelings and suggestions and temptations. And when something's pulling on you and working on you, you don't need to just try to wage a silent mental battle. There are times you need to stand up out of your chair in your house and holler and say, get out of here, get out of here. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not going that way. I'm not yielding to that. Get out of here. And what's the rest of the thing Jesus said? What what would he say? For because, get out of here, because it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. I don't worship anybody but God. And he's the one I serve. You know, I like what Paul said on that pitching boat uh, the story is told in the book of Acts in the middle of this hurricane. The Bible said all hope that they should be saved was gone. And yet an angel of God appeared to him and told him that they were going to be saved. And when he stood up on that pitching deck, he said, an angel of the God of whose I am and whom I serve has appeared to me. And told, don't you like this? What's he said? I belong to God and I serve God. Why? Doesn't that sound like our text? In light of how he has bought us and redeemed us, it's just reasonable that we serve him, that we worship him. Say it out loud, I belong to God. And I serve God. Don't you like that? Does that do anything for you? Boy, it stirs me up. <laughs> yeah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Let's take just a more another moment with this. Go to Second Peter. Jesus said, "Whoever commits sin is the servant of sin." Now the devil, in tempting you to sin, will not try to sell you sin. You know what he will try to sell you? Freedom. Huh? Yeah. He's a lying rascal. And he will try to sell you freedom. Second Peter 2. And uh, verse 18. NIV. Second Peter 2. 18 in the NIV. He talked about individuals obviously motivated by the enemy. So they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. You know, when you got free from something, that's not the end. I wish I could tell you that's the end. But the enemy will come try to get you back in the same stuff you got out of. Did you know this? He will. You could have the most miraculous deliverance and healing. You can be free for 15 years. And it's kind of like maybe you had a wild life and you ran with some folks you shouldn't run with. And then you got straightened out and you got, you know, you got married and whatever. And 10 years later, that old boyfriend or girlfriend can pull up in your driveway on Saturday night and toot the horn and go, hey, party. You want to party? Let's party. That's where the devil is. You can be free. You can be free for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. And one Saturday night, here comes a honk, honk. Hey! Remember how we used to get down? Remember, remember how we used to party? Oh, we had so much fun. Let's get free. Let's get free. Let's throw off the inhibitions. Forget that stuffy bunch over at Faith Life Church. Let's get free and do what you really want to do. You know you want to do it. You know you want to do it. Come on. Come on. Get in the car. Come on. Come on. That's right. That's when it's time to holler. Get out of here. Get out of here. Right? Get out of here. Why? Because it is false advertising. It's a lie. It ain't, freedom is not what you're going to get. Oh, yeah, you could experience some temporary pleasure. Very temporary. But in the end of it, the wages of sin is death. And what will happen is you will get back into bondage of what God has set you free from. And the next time around will be worse than before. Verse 19. They promised them what? Freedom. Freedom. Ah, you know, we're not under the law. We're under grace. You want to do some drugs? Do some drugs. Doesn't really matter. You want to sleep around? You know, just take the money. We're all under grace anyway. What does it matter? What it matters is who you are a slave to. And who you serve. Because the promise is freedom. But the truth is what? They promise them freedom. While they themselves are what? Slaves. Slaves. Slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. 
Whatever masters you is your God, is your boss, is your Lord. You are its slave. Not free to sin, the slave of sin. And it might not start out that way, but you ask anybody. You talk to anybody that's yielded to debauchery, that's yielded to sleeping with everybody and their brother and sister, yielded to every kind of drug, yielded to every kind of lie. And after years of this, you ask them how free they are. You look in their eyes. You see how much they've prematurely aged and how everybody they ever loved, they've isolated and run off and they've ruined their their profession. They've ruined this. They've ruined their health. You call that freedom? And so many times they want to quit. Eventually they get to the place they want to quit. They want to break out and they are like a slave in chains. Never had to be that way. Oh, friend, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And since he has set you free, do not be entangled again with that yoke of bondage. Don't go. He describes going back to what you were delivered from like a dog going back to its throw up, like a pig going back to its muck and filth. We've been washed. We've been clean. Stay out. Stay out of that stuff. Stay out of that mess. Holler when it comes up. Get out of here. Get out of here. I'm not serving sin. I'm not getting back in that junk God delivered me out of. I am free, free, free. I'm free from sin. I'm free from that bondage, from that junk. I am free to serve my God. And I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to do it. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Say it again. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. No, I'm not serving sin. I'm serving God. And it's a good life. You know, people look at you and go, you know, I've had people even tell me this. The people that didn't know me and they found out what I did and they said, oh man, you know. So you don't get to have much fun, huh? I've had people tell me that, you know. You know, you know, no girlfriends on the side and no this, no that, no getting high with this or getting, you know, taking trips with that. And they look at you and go, like they feel sorry for you. Well, man, you're not having much fun. (laughs) You're the one not having much fun. You know, hugging the commode the next morning. You call that fun? Tore up your car, spent all your paycheck, isolated the people that love you, run off your friends, and you're having fun. Oh, yeah, that's living, huh? Do you see the lie? The promise is freedom. It's a lie. Because of whatever overcomes you is your master, and you're serving it. You're not free to do it. You're serving it. Turn with me to Galatians, please. The sixth chapter. I think I'm closing. Can you be too free? Can you be too excited about being free? I don't think so. (laughs) Galatians. The sixth chapter. Something that we, we need to be aware of in our thinking. Just like he said, you used to yield to this. And you used to be a servant of that. Now, he said, 
Don't be the servants of sin. Be the servants of righteousness. Be the servants of God. Yield yourself to God like you used to yield yourself to sin and and more. In uh, Galatians, the sixth chapter, he says in verse, uh, about verse 10, he said, as we have therefore, what? Opportunity. Opportunity. There are God-given opportunities in this life. As we have opportunity, let us what? Do good. Now we, we've already talked about this word has to do with the same kind of phrases, good works. Do good, do good works to and for. Do good unto who? All. But especially those who are the household of faith. That's your brothers and sisters. Your family and God. Especially them. Especially them what? Do good. Do something good for them to help them to serve them, to minister to them, as you have opportunity. The, the Lord stirred me this morning about this, that there are precious opportunities that people are ignoring. And they're acting like they're going to live down here forever. And like you're just going to have endless opportunities in the future for these things. And you're not. And I'm not. This day today, this Sunday, It'll never happen again. If I had missed this opportunity to minister to you, I will have missed an opportunity that I'd never get back. Maybe I might have one in the future, but not this one. Well, you are the same way. There are opportunities, precious opportunities that God gives you. Maybe tomorrow morning. Maybe Wednesday afternoon. But there are opportunities for you to do what? Do good. Do good and serve and minister and help somebody. And you ought to be willing to do it for anybody, but especially your brothers and sisters, especially your church family. And do not suppose and do not imagine, well, you know, maybe I can do it next year. You know, maybe they may not be here next year. And every, you know, I said I'm thanking God more than I have in times past, seems like. And I guess I'm, I'm gaining a little wisdom and a little perspective because I'm a little more aware of where I'm going and what's going to happen soon. Do you know soon we're going to be out of here? Yes. Did you know that? We are. And when I get up, I got up today, I got strength. I got health. I got enough prosperity to get over here and... I got clothes to wear and we got electricity on. It's an opportunity. How many days will I have like this? They're not unlimited. I mean, how many opportunities will we have to get together like this and, and worship God and, and believe Him and, and hear the anointed words of the Most High? If He's involved in this, this is bigger than me. This is more than me, more than you. He's here. He's talking to us. Precious, precious. And he's equipping you, putting things into you, putting truth into you, putting faith into you, putting money in your hands, putting things. Why? Because he's setting you up for opportunities. You're going to find yourself at a certain place at a certain time and a brother or sister is going to need something and you will have it. You will have it. You'll have the word. You'll have the faith. You'll have the stuff. And when you see this opportunity, do not pass it by. It's a one-time deal every day. 
precious. So many things that are vital. He will get done. If you don't do it, he will get it done through somebody else. But you will have missed something very precious and reward. And of course, those that obey him over and over that are faithful, he can trust. He's going to trust more important things into their hands. He's going to give them greater opportunities. Somebody say, here am I, Lord. I am yours. Use me. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. The psalmist said, while I have any being, while I have breath. Isn't that what we're talking about today? While, while I've got this opportunity. I'm going to do it now. Live today so you have no regrets tomorrow. Comes across your path, comes across your heart. Is in the power of your hand to do it. Do it now. Close your eyes and just lift up your hearts and your hands to the Lord. Worship Him. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're still on the throne. Thank you, Lord, that I'm still alive. It's possible I could still have some days and time down here. (laughs) Forgive me, Lord, for wasting any time and missing any opportunities. Forgive me and have mercy on me, Lord, and grant me more opportunities to do good, to help, to be a blessing, to serve. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.